0: Hello and welcome to this episode of Shoulder to Shoulder, where we strive to grow in love of the Lord and each other. I'm Megan Silas. I'm Pam Marvin. And we're back after a little bit of a break. Not a huge one, but a little
1: one. You know, summertime. Little dog days of summer. Got activities going on.
0: Vacations. Recreation. Recreation. Yeah. That is a beautiful word, isn't it? It is not it When you really look at it, recreate. Mm -hmm. Have you recreated much in the last uh, few weeks? Yes and no. Okay, tell me about yes it. Yes and no.
1: Well, I just spent a lovely week uh, on the Comal, uh, the Comal, Comal. Do hey, not New ask Bromples. me how to pronounce <laughs> things in Texas; it is not my strong suit. <laughs> <laughs> Being hey, from the north, the Comal, and I love that river so much. Um, so we reconstructed um, our family reunion that we've done since my grandparents were taken there. My my mom and her brothers there since 1946 is what we discovered and we got all back together grandkids cousins alike there was about 36 of us that went Wow! to float the river um, all is my, there any river
0: to float on we've had such dry weather right
1: yeah there definitely is because spring fed that's oh, okay. one of the reasons why I really like it um, it was wonderful I had all my children there which is not very often to have five of them and all my grandkids so Ooh. I'll show you pictures later alright yeah. sounds good. yeah it was so good and being in the river, that was the shock to the body, the cold and all that. Mm-hmm. And just visiting with my cousins and my kids and stuff it was very reju- rejuvenating. The late nights were not so great. <laughs> not a lot of prayer time because the kids are up early and you start to run. And mm-hmm. yeah, I get the gospel and the readings in maybe. But right. uh, real meditative prayer was not happening because there was so much activity. Mm-hmm. But it was beautiful and wonderful. And I loved it.
0: Well, that's Great, because, you know, honestly, sometimes when you get together big family uh, gatherings, there can be maybe some tensions, issues. You know, what I have found that sometimes when we get together with family, uh, we sort of have a little reversion of our t- behaving in ways that are more similar to our younger selves mm. than our more mature selves. So you didn't struggle with any of that while y'all I were together? didn't.
1: Um, And I think it's fair to say that we are very much a mixture of political thoughts and Mm. religious thought too. very much a big mixture of that. But we all love each other a whole lot. And that's really been the underlying tone. And we really attribute it to these kind of family reunions as children and growing up where I love you regardless. You know, I really love you, even if we don't agree. And um, we just, you know, avoid those topics that we know we don't agree on and just enjoy the time on the river and. Just uh, recreate.
0: Well, it sounds like you're going to be a good resource for how to do what we're going to be talking about today well. Oh, yeah. uh, Because we are continuing our series from um, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where Paul is talking about the nature of love and what is involved in in true holy love. And uh, today we're on... um, not getting angry, not being quick to angry, and not brooding over, over injury. injury. Yeah. So, I mean, this, those two things, being quick to anger and brooding over injury, can certainly be things that would uh, cause some issues, potentially, uh, yeah. in a setting like you've described, yes, where you've ma'am. got a, a bunch of people with diverse opinions and attitudes and beliefs and uh, you know, and a lot of history with each other. Uh, could, you know, certainly lead to issues of, like, anger erupting or, you know, sort of this uh, not letting go of past injuries and letting that impact uh, yeah. the interactions of the moment. Um, so, praise God that y'all didn't have to uh, endure too much of that. Not too much. Not too much. <laughs> but I'm looking at her and I'm thinking, maybe a little bit. Maybe a little. Which we don't necessarily we have to talk about. Yeah, but, no, maybe um, a little. So... But uh, let's dig into this topic because I do think um, this question of anger and often resentment, Mm. which can be tied to it, um, is very important in relationships and and can really poison relationships in, in major ways. And what I often see is that in a culture right now that so seems to say, you know, you need to just whatever you feel is what's so much important. And and that's the primary thing. And you have to, you know, just go by your feelings and well, feelings of anger that are then expressed in angry words and angry actions um, can really damage and you can't take back what you do in a moment, you know? And so what are your, as you kind of have prayed with this idea and thought about this idea of, of how anger and brooding or, or say like resentment, Mm -hmm. um, impacts the way that we love and our freedom to love, you know, did you, any thoughts come to you? Yes, because I, you know, I,
1: I recall a time where, I mean, I was a brooder for sure. I would take things personally. <laughs> she has several children as well. So in both uh, yeah, senses of yeah, yeah. the word. So true, <laughs> for sure. But I have to say that um, what really started to change my heart about those things was um, just offering mercy to the person. This is to, to the person who maybe offended me mm-hmm. or um, was being angry at me. Mm-hmm. Um I'm not super prone to anger. It's just not Mm -hmm. my temperament. But I've definitely been on the receiving end of it quite a few times. And so extending Uh that person mercy, not knowing, like, their woundedness and their background really helps me to stay calm and no longer brood over what they say, gesture and gesture. I always consider it, like, what's my part in this? But for the most part, yeah, I'd say Mm -hmm. the counteracting virtue, if you could say that, is definitely mercy. Definitely. That's one of them. Forgiveness.
0: Okay. You know, this is sort of an area where we have a very different life experience yeah. because I honestly have not experienced anger as being a big part of my relationship experiences. Um, and I don't know why that is. Um, the There is always this question in my mind about, what we experience in relationship and how much of that is chance and how much of that is self-selected, and so because temperament. I've, I mean, that's what I really right. see. Right. But much the, so. the reality is, is that my temperament is not ordered towards anger generally, but I also think I am very intolerant of people who allow their emotions. To negatively impact other people, like I, I have a really high um, value that I place on self-control. Yes, probably to the point of being disordered. I'm going to be honest about that really? because because this idea that you must be in control of yourself, and that if you allow like these emotions to just leak out and cause damage, that that's a really I just built it up as a very negative thing in my heart. So my point on that is I think that I am less willing to in, be in relationship with people who do not control their emotions to the point that my husband is probably the most in control of his emotions of any person that I've ever experienced, to the point where my friends have called him Spock in the past. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, you know, meaning that it, does he even have emotions? Of course, he has emotions. He's a human being. And, but he's so like very contained in them. So I wonder if your maybe mercy or tolerance for expressions of anger meant that you were going to experience it more because you would stay in that situation. Whereas I'd be like, yeah, if that's the way you're going to behave, I'm out. Mm. That's an interesting thought.
1: I never thought about that quite that way because, and this is, this is probably the way God works, because I grew up in a family that was very, very adverse to any type of conflict. Mm-hmm. We did everything to keep the peace. So he's been teaching me throughout these years how to have more self-control when someone's yelling and angry at me because that was Mm -hmm. really hard. I was also brought up up that feelings are king and you should always express your feelings and emotions. So that was like uh, completely opposite from what you were saying. So I've been working on that self-control ever since I really converted 30 Mm -hmm. years ago, that more self-control, controlling emotions Knowing when to express them, because I am a very emotional person by temperament, mm-hmm. but learning to not just control them, but to, like, um, be more appropriate with them, I guess is a better word.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good point, because so often people conflate the idea of emotion, expressing emotion and a lack of self-control, and that doesn't have to be the case. You can actually communicate emotions without being controlled by the emotion. So say for something, say, for example, somebody does something that truly does make you angry. Like they've, it, it's probably justified. A lot of times people do things that are hurtful or, in, uh, you know, like insensitive or, or whatever. And, and the anger may be very justified, but there's two different responses you can have in that experience of anger in the way that you communicate it. Well, actually, there's more than two, there's three. You could either just stuff it, like, don't just, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to express how I feel. I'm just going to suppress it. You can lash out and respond in your anger with negative, harsh words. So, like, you know, you're such a jerk. I can't stand you. You're awful. Like, you know, just sort of like an attack on the other person. Or, and I would say the healthy way to do it is, like, wow, um, what you just did there, that really bothers me. It makes me very angry that you feel that it's, would be appropriate to treat me that way. Right, right. Like, so you can express the truth of how you're feeling without it being controlled by the feeling. Because, Agreed. and the reason why you want to ex- express what you're feeling instead of, not stuffing it, whatever is in expressing it. You're actually can build the relationship because what happens when you don't express, I think this is why these two things go together so well. Becoming quick to anger is an expression of emotion. That's generally disordered, but brooding or resentment often is the result of strong emotion. That's not expressed. Right. And so, it doesn't have to be like, you're either going to be quick to anger and harsh and, you know, injure the other person, or you're going to, you're going to suppress it and then end up brooding or resentful. There can be this middle ground, which is generally always where virtue is, is that middle ground of saying, how am I going to be honest about how something impacted me without, you know, being harsh and hurtful and lashing out. And what I would say that, really keeps that ordered is putting the relationship first. That it's not about me simply getting out what I'm feeling.
1: Right. So what I'm hearing is, is it's a type of selflessness as well, too, because that's very much needed to, to say, I love you. I have a history of loving you. You have a history of loving me. So I'm going to put our love for one another above this anger or resentment I may be experiencing.
0: Right. But I don't think you have to com- completely send it over to the place of selflessness because it actually is for your good. Because if you value this relationship and you want it to grow True. in intimacy and and to be healthy and holy, that's going to benefit you. But if you're focused only on you instead of the two individuals in the relationship, you're going to tend towards being lazier about how you express things to just satisfy the anger that's in you Mm. instead of being like, okay, I recognize that there's this anger here. I have hurt, I have pain, whatever. This is going to negatively impact our relationship if I don't address it, but I don't want to address it in such a way that's also going to, you know, negatively impact the relationship. Right. So always keeping that the relationship as the central point in the communication. Right, but sometimes that even if you speak the truth, that's going to injure the person.
1: Then you got to risk that, right? Right. Is it injure the relationship? Maybe. Mm -hmm. But you're being
0: truthful, so it's it's a very touchy subject. Right, and I think you also bring a good point about um, when to speak, as far as timing. Because say, for example, uh, let's bring the, the like the marriage relationship as, as a good example, okay. because say, for example, that something happened that your spouse made you really mad. And you can correct them in a way that maybe is healthy, but is going to put them in our place a certain degree. Maybe the best time to do that is not when the kids are right there that they're not going to necessarily understand all the nuances of that circumstance. And the spouse may be like, how could you do that in front of the kids? And then that's going to add an injury when you're not looking to add an injury, but it it, it could end up being that way. So there always has to be this discernment and communication about when you're going to address things. And that takes self-control too, right? Cause it says, you know what? I do need to address this, but now is not the right time. And I'm going to have to, sit in my hard emotions for a time right and not give vent to them which can be hard that can be really hard especially if it's super strong like you're feeling hurt yeah yeah well I, but I, the other side of that's kind of been this is
1: a situation I found myself in I'm too angry to discuss it at that point in time but I really mm-hmm. want to discuss okay, it okay good point yeah uh, but I know that I'm too angry And I wouldn't be very reasonable. I wouldn't be like a a measured, a self controlled. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then when I cool down, I lose the fervor to say anything at all. That's a really good point. (laughs) I do. Yeah. I don't have that fire in my belly. I think that's common any longer because I'm like, uh, I can reason myself out. Uh Oh well, they were this. They were the. Oh, and I was this, and I was that, and so
0: the rationalization process. Because really, what the rationalization process is saying is like, okay the discussion is going to be uncomfortable. Do I really want to undergo that discomfort now that I'm not feeling the fire of the emotion? Exactly. But what I would say, though, is that the damage that was done in the moment of the fire of the emotion, that burn is still there. Mm. You may not be feeling it as acutely, but... The reality is, is that it gets added to a pile of kindling that, you know, there's just like another stick, another stick, another stick where those things can then start to smolder and really maybe you go and go and go and that happens a lot. And then you get to a point where there's this tipping point and you explode or the other way to go sometimes is as that continues to happen, you can start detaching and detaching and detaching from the person, because there's so much that's gone unaddressed, and there's so much like buildup of this person hurts me. This person hurts me. I need to protect. I need to put up the walls. I need to. And and all of a sudden, that brooding really looks like uh, can turn into apathy. I actually was sure, at, um, sure. this weekend I was at a, uh, couples retreat where this wonderful priest, uh, Nigerian priest. And you know how I love Nigerian I priest, Pam. And he was just quintessential. He was everything I love about my, ex the, general experience I've had with Nigerian priests. He was everything about that. He was dynamic and passionate and just a truth teller. He wasn't mincing words. He was just calling it like it is totally orthodox. Love that. Right. And he was giving a talk about the three A's that poison a marriage. Mm. And they were. um, Now, let me see if I can remember them. Arrogance. Arrogance. Animosity Animosity. and apathy. Apathy. Interesting. And so those I found really interesting because I would say that they all kind of can come to bear in this topic that we're talking about as far as anger and, and brooding or resentment. And, and this certainly, I think, generalizes to all relationships, not just marriage, all intimate relationships. So if we take arrogance, arrogance says, I know what's right. I know what's the best. I don't really need to listen to you in this sort of thing. And so that's how often anger is expressed, often because a person thinks, I know what's right. You don't. And I'm just going to tell you how it is. And if you're trying to tell me something different, I'm going to lash out at you because in my arrogance, I don't respect your opinion and I don't, who are you to tell me, you know? So that happens, right? But then animosity is often the result of the resentments building up. Mm -hmm. The brooding.
1: Just explain animosity a little more clearly for this. I mean, like even myself, I mean, I know what animosity is in general, but break that one down because I think this is important because we do harbor those feelings. And I want to understand
0: mm -hmm. what's
1: behind animosity a little bit more.
0: Well, animosity is really like a negative spirit towards another. So anima, you know, Mm -hmm. being spirit and the the prefix, the suffix of it, is sort of against the spirit, against uh, the spirit of another, okay, okay, right? And so you start building up this negativity towards the other, and like a you know, you just start being like, oh, I don't even like that, person. yeah. The
1: generalization is like, oh, they're so difficult, I yeah, don't get around them, right.
0: Oh, this is too painful. Yeah. So it's all this just like a total negativity of mm-hmm, spirit. Mm-hmm. And that's a more active form of, of what happens when you deal with resentment is resentment will lead to animosity. Right. Apathy is when you shut down. When you're so much like building a wall that you're like, I just don't care. I don't care. Do whatever oh, you yeah, want. I've been there. I don't okay. care. I've done that. For sure. And
1: my, my spiritual director called me out on it.
0: (laughs) Good for your spiritual director. Because, you know, you can't love and be apathetic. You know how there's also, uh, you know, there's a thin line between love and hate and that the opposite of love isn't hate. It's apathy. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, so you can see how, if you inflict your anger upon someone time and time again, if you injure a person over and over and over again, The human spirit needs to self-protect, like if they're being regularly injured. Mm -hmm. And so you're going to either move towards... Someone's going to move towards a place of animosity or apathy. Mm -hmm. Either you're going to build up that wall with your own internal anger that turns against the other person, or you're going to just shut down. Mm -hmm. And so this is why these two things together, they destroy relationships because the injuries aren't just in the moment. You know, it's interesting because I'm seeing the parallel now before the, the um, show we were just chatting and the topic of pornography came out. Right. And we were talking about how even, even if you aren't seeking pornography, sometimes you're just exposed to it without your will. And yet that thing can burn in your brain and in your mind and you just, you can't get it out. Mm-hmm. These experiences of being lashed out and treated you know, less than your dignity because someone is, has lashed out with to you in anger, they also leave their mark. There's a burn mark. There is. And that sure. burn mark is hard to heal. And when you develop, the, when you're injured over and over again, what do you develop? A scar. You know, and that mm-hmm. scar is on your heart. And it prevents you from loving that other person In a place of freedom. In a fullness, a lack of fullness of your whole heart, for sure. Yeah. I I did look up some verses about like anger, and Mm. and there are some some doozies in the Bible. You want to hear a couple of them?
1: Yeah, I I just want to remind our listeners too that we actually are talking about love today, but this is things that is not love. Yeah, the poison love. This is the poison side. Absolutely. It's just that
0: what it's not. So one of the things that I thought was, you know, Ecclesiastes and Proverbs, like always have some really good practical things about life. And so one of the ones in Ecclesiastes, they said, be not quick in your spirit to become angry for anger lodges in the bosom of fools. And so this idea that like, can we understand that anger is not going to accomplish the goals that we really want to accomplish? because so often anger arises either as a result of injury because someone actually has injured us so we're it's justified but you know really it's the injury that's the issue not so much anything else right or we've had our pride injured which maybe was not the 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 intent of the other but that's how we've experienced it right. and so like an animal who has been backed into a corner, claw our way out, right? And we don't care who we hurt on the way out because we've been hurt, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's sort of this, it kind of reminds me of, you know, you have have read that an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, Jesus says, but I say, what? Forgive your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's the response of a Christian. Mm -hmm. Not I lash out, To injure when I have been injured. Yeah, the retribution. Yeah, this retribution mindset. But no, like I stand back to a place of forgiveness and actually an active willing of the good of the other, which is is praying for the other person. Right. And willing the good of the other is also a form of love. It is the quintessential definition, (laughs) according to St. Thomas Aquinas, of agape love. That's right. To will the good of the other. Yeah. Um, And uh, another thing goes on, because we are so ordered towards relationship and friendship and everything. I did find it interesting that Proverbs chapter 22 says, uh, make no friendship with a man given to anger. Nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. So that kind of comes back to what I was saying before is, like, perhaps tolerance in relationship of regular outbursts of anger is not a healthy place to be as a Christian. That we should not necessarily um, seek intimate relationship with a person who's shown themselves to have a pattern mm. of anger and wrathfulness. doesn't mean we can't still love them, but we've talked before on this program about how loving a person, it doesn't mean that you have to be an in intimate relationship with them. In fact, sometimes the most loving thing to do is not to be an in intimate relationship with them. If the relationship itself is causing a near occasion of sin for that other person. Right. Or but yourself. Not, but not
1: only that, but that to engage in that relationship could cause a greater division. Like to try and keep that relationship going, something larger and grander and more awful could happen. It would cause total separation. Mm-hmm. Then oh, if yeah. you do the arm's length, kind of, I love you and I'm going to keep a healthy distance.
0: Yeah. So I feel like at this moment, maybe we should take like a little temperature check and sort of think about in our own lives, how this issue has impacted us. All right. Since I called the temperature check, I'll go first. I recognize that there are a couple relationships in my life where I feel that I am harboring some resentments of things that have happened in the past, and I recognize that I'm doing it, and it is, I'm 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 functioning more in the place of not so much lashing out and returning in response, but kind of like a simmering, you know, kind of resentment towards it. And the difficulty of recognizing the reality of it and not really knowing how to get beyond it. And I will say that I've had this on my mind for a while. And This weekend at Mass, I had a really beautiful experience after receiving the Eucharist where it was one of those deals where you actually get to kind of hold him in your mouth for a little while. Like it, it's some, you know, some hosts at some places break down more quickly than others. And, you know, maybe your walk back to the, to the pew is a little longer at some places than others or, or whatever. But it was one of those moments where I was kneeling there and I was, you know, the Eucharist was still on my tongue and I was just recognizing how close he was to me and, realizing that he'd chosen to be there. Mm. That reality is that I didn't just choose him. He chose me. He first chose me, right? He says that it's not that you have first loved, but that you have been first loved. Mm. And I recognized in that moment that a lot of this issue that I am dealing with of trying, struggling to let go of resentments or past injuries comes from feeling rejected and not really chosen Mm -hmm. and the lord i felt like the lord was saying to me that that unless you fully receive the reality that you are chosen by me you will always struggle to feel rejected Mm.
1: think that's very very poignant and accurate (laughs) yeah
0: very much and you know the reality of it was is that i really felt he was speaking that to my heart and my answer to him was lord i believe help my unbelief i'm just not there yet Mm. and you know it's like kind of like lord i need you to teach me how to do that because i i'm struggling so human
1: I think for me, this issue has been very much in my life um, with family and friends. And it's been a hard one um, because I am prone to avoid conflict. <laughs> um, so I've been through all the stages that you're talking about. And I'm, I'm getting to a place now um, of peace and calm in the midst of, a lot of yelling or anger. Mm. And in my situation it's it, it's people that let's just say are not not friends. You know, it's right. Like maybe yeah. family members. Closer. Yeah. A lot closer. So this it's not it's a non negotiable as yeah. far as like Yeah, you just can't that. just step out. No, no. Yeah. Nor do I want to. Um and it's also a matter of helping to coach many of these things that we're talking about to say self-control you really have to get some more self-control mm-hmm. and i see the struggle it can be really difficult based on just human temperament some people are just created um, with a with the bigger cross let's call it what it is it's a bigger cross if you're prone to anger like that i really believe so um i've had best friends like that as well that just really prone to anger um and not too soon did I ever like start to to be calm in those moments. That's only been something mm-hmm. recent in the last couple of years. But as far as the brooding goes, um, one of the ways that I hope and I think that an overcoming brooding personally would be um, knowing it is to no good end that that's not where God wants me and it serves nothing to brood is, is is a to me an emotional immaturity, so I call it out for
0: what it is: it's emotional immaturity mm. to brood. Yeah, and yet it can be hard sometimes, and I think that's why it's good to have practical, like, tools. So maybe let's talk about that. Okay. Um, some practical tools. tools for like both tools. both situations. If you're feeling angry and you're feeling volatile. How to manage that. And then if you're feeling tempted towards brooding, how to manage that. Um unfortunately, neither of us are really prone to anger. So we might not have uh have as much experience with um managing that. Well, I can
1: speak on it a little you bit. You speak on it. Yeah. So
0: the first thing, and we've
1: talked about this on the on the show before, too, is much like the temperature check to do this stop, look, and listen. Mm -hmm. Where is this coming from? I mean, to slow down, to really start to consult God by taking a second to step back, to stop, look around. What is my responsibility in this moment? And call on the Holy Spirit and listen to the Holy Spirit to move in your heart in that moment of anger. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes it really is just a... I need to rest and digest. Right. Right. Which we talk about that as well. Mm -hmm. To rest and digest in that anger moment.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Like, oh, there's that anger. I can either run with it or I can rest and digest.
0: I really like the fact that you brought that rest and digest thing because what it does is it brings the physical, it brings a, uh, you know, sort of a metaphor that's physical. But I think that plugging into attending to the physical can actually really help here. Because most of the time, of course, the anger is rooted in things that are often emotional, psychological, spiritual even, but we start feeling it in our bodies. That's right. We experience it physically. Because feelings, like nobody, disembodied spirits like angels and God, like say the Holy Spirit or the Father, which doesn't have a body, they don't have bodies, don't have feelings the way we understand feelings because feelings are rooted in the connection between our spirit and our body. So I think, think when you recognize that and you start to feel the symptoms in your body of anger, the tension maybe in your shoulders or in your jaw, I have a, I have a very specific feeling when I feel anger. It's right in my chest. It's like this tightness in my chest that kind of like impacts my my throat as well. And I feel it so strongly. And I, I know immediately when it's there. And in my heart rate, I I can feel my heart rate raise when this feeling comes up. And so if we start to recognize before it reaches its full flourish, <laughs> and takes over if we start to recognize those symptoms to have then the moment that say, okay, I I understand where this is going. I feel it. That's right. And I don't, you know, we feel it in our bodies before we understand the why of it generally. Mm-hmm. And so... So let me just pause you a second yeah. because what you're talking about and you're describing
1: is a self-mastery, which is part of what we've been talking about is the Absolutely. self-mastery.
0: Yeah, but you can't master something that you're unaware of then. And the only way that you become aware of it is to to attend more to it. But once you make the awareness and you say, okay, I I know this feeling, I know where this can head. What am I, what are my techniques then to settle the body? Mm -hmm. And so you can, maybe there's a, do something else with your body that distracts you from it. You know, obviously, deep breathing is often, you know, associated with it. Maybe get your body out of the situation, get, maybe you just need to leave, yeah. Yeah. right? You mm-hmm. and you can kind of judge like how intense this is going to be. But mm-hmm. the only way you're going to be capable of doing that in the moment is if your motivation not to lash out is high enough, it's going to take intentionality. And so that's where a lot of this really, I think, comes to bear. Do you really care enough? Is the horror of hurting the person you love with your anger greater than the difficulty it takes to rein it in? That's when you'll be successful. Mm -hmm. And I would say this, if you're level of horror at hurting someone you love is not significantly high you need to start there because there is something there that's impeding your ability to love that you can only work out in you and it has nothing to do with the other person Mm -hmm. and i would though add that i have
1: so much of that it's to a fault so
0: you can have too much of that too it's true. For sure.
1: Yeah, it's true. But that balance is what we all strive for.
0: Okay, so how about the brooding thing? Like, how can you combat? Because that is more subtle, I would say, mm-hmm. more, it's almost like when you have a thought and you get to choose whether you entertain it or not.
1: Right. And that, that's that's very true. So what is the self-talk like during the mm-hmm. brooding does it serve the Lord? Does it not? You know, to measure it as a good or an, an evil, so to speak, mm-hmm. that is this serve a purpose? And one of the things I personally do when I'm having a real struggle with brooding is I call on the Blessed Mother. Oh, okay. I call on her and I say, Mother, please give me the right perspective. Because I'm realizing I'm stuck in my human, my humanness and my mortality mm-hmm. in my flesh. I'm really stuck there. And so I ask her to share with me the right perspective. And 90% of the time um, I get an inspiration of like more the way God would see things more the way maybe the angels would perceive Mm -hmm. something. And um, I just shrink away in the humanness that I got stuck in.
0: Mm -hmm. I like that you brought up the blessed mother because we've spoken many times about how I'm a passionist in my spirituality and that, which means that often my most profound moments of prayer or places that I go when I need to seek the Lord are centered around his passion. And you're bringing in the blessed mother really makes me think of our lady of sorrows Mm. and um, the 13th station where Mary is holding her dead son, the most innocent, beautiful, perfect person ever being held by the second, (laughs) the second most, you know, And what is she doing? She's holding him and looking out on the very people who killed him, tortured and killed him. And she's loving them. And that's the challenge. Can we gaze out from our pain, from our suffering, from the, what has been inflicted upon us and yet love those Who even are the ones that did the afflicting? And that's really hard. It's really hard. But Mary can show us the way. Yes. Because she did it par
1: excellence. And what it was, was perfect trust in the Father's plan.
0: Perfect trust and absolute, complete surrender to the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Let's end on that because can you go anywhere better (laughs) than that? Well, um, so we kind of have made our way through the negative aspect of this thing. So we get to go in the, in the good stuff next time. So in our next episode, we'll be talking about something that I particularly love, which is rejoicing in the truth. Amen. So uh, I hope that this episode blessed y'all and that you'll come back and, and listen to the next one. And if you haven't listened to all the ones before it, Go back to those as well and uh, share it with those that you love. Um, we won't get angry at you if you don't, but yeah. we, we sure would appreciate Nor it if you would. Nor we brood. <laughs> what well, we won't know about it. Yeah. But, <laughs> but anyway, we're so blessed to be here um, to discuss these things of the Lord. And uh, we hope until next time that you'll remain united with us in prayer. Until then, God bless.